here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It is Shake Them Ropes. The first day of fall. I believe it's the first day of fall. Could be wrong on that aspect. Rob McCarron, Jeff Hawkins along with us for a very uh, special edition of Shake Them Ropes. But first, Jeff, how are you this week? I'm staring at eggs standing straight up, so it better be the uh, first day of fall. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I uh, drove to Utah and back as anyone who heard our update uh, heard me on the phone as opposed to a microphone. But uh, tired, uh, watched a lot of WWE in the past 24 hours, did a lot of uh, reading on Sting, and uh, I'm ready. Reading on Sting. Yes, it is the uh, first day of autumn. I have confirmed, in fact, that it is the first day of autumn. Amazing the things you hear throughout the day. Do you call it autumn or fall? Um. Well, I... I call it autumn. I call I call it fall. It's not like Ooh, one. You're one of those egalitarian not, types. Huh? I'm not the pretentious. Oh, it's autumn. <laughs> I can go on both ways of this fence. I speaking of both ways of the fence, we're going to get into it throughout what I've been going back. I've been going back through Sting's career. I've been watching matches of different eras on the WWE network of Sting. Um, I tell you. I don't know if after this anyone's mind will be changed. I don't know if after this my mind will be changed. But Sting is an interesting candidate for the WON, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Rob, I'm hoping this is a road to Damascus moment for you. Oh, yeah? where, Where you will be shined by the light that Sting should be in the Hall of Fame. So we are going to debate Sting's candidacy. Now, he has been on Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame ballot for a few years now. Uh, he's, his support has been weaning and waning and not winning over the last several years. Um, are we debating or discussing? Well, we're discussing. You, you had an interesting text to me where you said, in the course of your research, and I quote, I can't, I, well, I'm not quoting because I don't have my phone in front of me, but you told me while you were, looking to prosecute Sting, unfairly, I might add, for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, that you would vote for him, or you found him to be a strong candidate. I said throughout everything, along with my gut, and you know your gut never lies, Nope. he was actually a stronger candidate after all the research than what I thought beforehand. I don't know if I'm going to vote for him. Maybe you'll convince me, but that's what we're here to do. We're here to discuss the candidacy of Sting, who uh, throughout the last couple of years in 2011 got 43% of the vote among voters uh, in the modern category for Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Went down to 38% in 2012, and then last year, 33%. So don't understand been, that. I honestly don't. Well, I do understand why, but uh, we'll get into that. It's been it's been going down for a bit, so we're kind of going to go along... Uh, you know, our memories of Sting, uh, where we put him, maybe who we compare him to for those who are in the Observer Hall of Fame and maybe compare him to those who are not in the Observer Hall of Fame. And uh, we're just going to discuss his candidacy. Um, it's not a debate. You're wrong. I'm right. It's not going to be one side versus the other side. It's going to be a discussion. Uh, we would like to hear your opinions. All those listening out there, if you have opinions on whether Sting is a Hall of Famer in your mind. You can tweet us at Shake Them Ropes, uh, leave a voicemail on our Skype line at Let's Say Things, or give us a call and leave your voice message that we can play on our next show as kind of a follow-up. Our phone number is 260-494-3811, so you would be able to send us your thoughts and we'll play it on the next show about Sting's candidacy 
for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Uh, we are doing this for VoicesOfWrestling.com. It is Hall of Fame voting season, so that's a whole theme going on right now. Just uh, for those who may not be completely familiar with uh, the Hall of Fame and the criteria to get in that we'll be discussing today, there's really three criteria. The first is longevity as a main eventer or a drawing card. The second is uh, this candidate has to have positive historical significance. And then the third criteria is being a great in-ring performer or excelling at the craft. So that could be, you know, really that one is, you know, ripe for really different areas of thought. There's no one way or another in that category, I think. Uh, So we're going to talk about all these as how it relates to Sting. Of course, we did this with CM Punk a few uh, weeks ago, as CM Punk is a candidate on the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. And we're taking more of a modern approach. We're discussing those who were in uh, 1990s, 2000s, because our theme of this show is current pro wrestling. So we're trying to be current. We're not really voting or discussing the uh, names of the past of the 70s and 80s. Um, But first thought, I know, Jeff, the reason why we wanted to do this, too, is you are very pro Sting as far as a Hall of Fame candidate. Uh, okay, let, let, <laughs> I'm not going to be upset if he doesn't get in. I think there are stronger candidates well, you, on the right. ballot, but but I am very pro Sting getting in. You believe he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Right. I believe Sting, If uh, I was thinking of Hall of Fame corollaries for Sting. You can't, it's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where you have hard numbers, although you can do that for drawing power if you wanted to, but but it's it's a combination of things, and Sting doesn't stand out in any of one of the three categories in terms of being the top, top guy. But it's, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm thinking it's like a guy like a, say, a Steve Winwood or a Peter Gabriel or a Phil Collins. You know these guys are top guys, who have had long careers and historical impact on them, but there's not one aspect of the career that you can look and say, okay, he should get in for that. You kind of have to f- have to find a circumstantial case yeah. to get, get him in because it's not going to be on work rate or necessarily drawing power might be on longevity a bit, but definitely for me, I mean, his strongest criteria is positive historical significance because you can't write the history of WCW, which is admittedly important, even though the WWF quote unquote won without, you can't write the history of WCW without four factors. You can't write it without Sting, Flair. I combine NWO and Hogan because they're kind of the same and Goldberg. And I'm not saying Goldberg deserves to be in the Hall of Fame by any means, mm-hmm. but, if, but if you want to put him in, great. But but in terms of that, you can't write the history of WCW without Sting. You can write a lot of other things. Um, in terms of the actual discussion, uh, I think a lot of the knocks on looking at Sting are because he wasn't excellent, just very, very good. And I think there's a, a few other factors that are contributing to his declining uh, vote numbers. Uh, the, the need to kind of WWFI's history where a majority of the people – who are voters and fans, at least in the younger generations, that's all they know is WWF for the most part. WCW, when it was strong, not necessarily strong, but I mean pre-strong, pre-NWO, still it's a national promotion that was really a regional promotion trying to grow and rebound from the Crockett uh, transition to UW, through UWF. And it was still strong in that southeast quadrant, you know, Carolinas, Georgia, and whatnot. And you look at house shows around the time in the early 90s, you know, WWF is drawing a third of the audience that, that WCW is, even, you know, when Sting and company, quote-unquote, aren't a draw to the point where even at the Omni, you know, as late as 91, 92, they're canceling shows because they can't get an advanced box office down down south. The time when they started making inroads in that whole region there was when Flair and the Road Warriors were at the top of the card, so all the old fans of that came over. Um, I think Dave Meltzer's argument against Sting has really put a lot on the mind of voters. And, you know, I think the drawing arguments are fine. I think some of the historical comparisons are wrong because it doesn't take into a lot of context necessarily. Um, and I think there's there's along with those two things, there's a but but factor in a lot of guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Not a lot of guys. I, I won't go that far. But a lot of guys that are in the Hall of Fame that are marginal care uh, candidates to me. Not, I, I mean, 
to say marginal candidates is weird. The, the, the bar for North America is much higher than every other region in this world. It's almost like the North American contingency want to keep people out. Mm-hmm. And it's a wrestling hall of fame. Let's put guys in who were stars and deserve it as opposed to getting all uptight like baseball people. Well, that's definitely an interesting part of the argument because, of course, Dave Meltzer wanted this Hall of Fame, and it's his Hall of Fame. He can he can use the criteria that he wants. Uh, right. He wanted this to be the absolute elite of the elite. So the guys like Coco Beware don't get in. You know, someone who has name value, like people remember the name, but was never a draw or really significant in pro wrestling. Uh, you know, want to keep those good because someday Santino Morella may go into the WWE Hall of Fame and he wants to oh. keep the Santinos out of there. Okay, I can see that. But on the other hand, we start getting things like we start, you know, doing regions where certain guys who aren't even close to mid-level guys in the in the U.S. are getting in because they were big in a very small, small pond or the voters there. You know, the voters there have national pride, I think. Mm-hmm. And you start voting those guys in. Quite a bit. And then, uh, like I was going into the but if categories, where you get guys like your Jerichos, your Benoits, your Eddie Guerreros, who, you know, have, you know, while they have work rate that's great, maybe not so, I mean, and was very good once they got into the WWE. I think that's the other thing. It's like their best work was pre WWE, and their work in WWE was very good and very strong with clunkers and whatnot. But you kind of go, well, but they weren't as big a star as Sting. But 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 then you go well. But they were better workers in this short period of time, and and it's and it's odd because in the instructions for voting it says if your guy has a two or three hot year run, you're not supposed to vote him in. But most people's hot runs in the modern candidacy, in terms of really really modern candidates, are you know your four to six years, which isn't that much longer. And I'm not even putting TN, the TNA part of Sting's resume on here. I mean, I think that part puts him over the top. Even though people say TNA doesn't matter, I like to say doesn't matter compared to what? Compared to the WWE. Yeah. That, it, that's that's how we're always doing it, as opposed to a national wrestling promotion, or compared to Barnum and Bailey Circus, or whatever you want to do. I mean, it's it's odd that we we love to make the excuses for WWE guys that we like. I think there's a certain expertocracy that we listen to sometimes in terms of different candidates. And instead of trusting your gut, and we start to think of Knox because experts start saying things and putting out these stats, especially on North American candidates, it makes us start to doubt. You know, like I have no problem if Ivan Koloff or Dick Murdoch are in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a shame the Rock and Roll Express aren't in. I, I still can't comprehend an argument against that just because of the body of their work. Sting's another one that, I've listened to the arguments against. I'm a little older than most of the people who are making the arguments against. I still can't comprehend an argument against. That's just me. And, you know, go ahead with your opening remarks, sir. I've I've rambled on far too long. Well, what's interesting is uh, you talk about length of the runs, and that's one of the categories is longevity as a main eventer. And, I mean, take into account the time he was away due to injury and quitting— but Steve Austin's run on top was only four years. You know, it, four years is about what you're going to do. And he was the hottest guy ever for those four years. Right. But and it's not like what? he was a top draw for 10, 11, 12 years. No, and they supplement his resume by the things he did elsewhere, which is interesting because they don't do that for Sting for some reason. Uh, when when we make these arguments, like they they get, well, he was a pretty good, he showed he was a really good worker in in WCW. And then we came over to WWE, you know, doing the ringmaster gimmick. That's not a knock against his resume because he was so scorching hot in those four years. That's fine. I can do that. But it just seems like the knocks against Sting are knocks we don't give against other guys because we're making excuses for them in other categories, which is, you know, it's fine. It's your right. It's your prerogative. That's why this is a subjective Hall of Fame. At the same time, it's like, why are we bending over so backwards for a guy that was such a huge star for such a long time to so- not let him in? What I want to do, I want to give you a list of names, uh, Jeff. I'm going to give you a list of, I think it's 10 or 11 names here. And then we'll discuss what they have in common with Sting and where it goes from here. But this list of names, Jeff. Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Steve Austin, Ted DiBiase, Shawn Michaels, Edge, Bruno Sammartino, and the Ultimate Warrior. 
first of all, do you know how they all uh, align together? Not offhand, but go for it. These were, from 2005 to 2014, the main eventers of the WWE Hall of Fame class in each year. Okay. These were the main eventers. Eight of the ten are currently in Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. The only ones who are not... Ultimate Warrior and... Ultimate Warrior and Edge. And Edge. Edge is currently on the ballot. And Edge shouldn't have been the headliner that year. It was... I mean, if if we're doing a fair critical analysis of wrestling it's a wwf move to put him as the main eventer on that so who should have been the main eventer the horseman oh yeah well they already did flair no i know that and i get that and you know i'd love to find a way to put the horseman in the wrestling observer hall of fame just due to cultural significance but you know maybe with some of these new like voting for trios and whatnot in in mexico and stuff we can find a way to get like an arn anderson in but continue i'm sorry yeah so those were the uh main eventers of the hall of fame only two are not in one who's most definitely probably never going to get in is the ultimate warrior um edge probably not but his support is uh not criminally low i guess i i disagree i think both well edge i think will because of the work rate issue and just because of the number of significant matches in terms of changing the industry he did not not as a top guy you won't see and this is where the subjective arguments get sting was always a bigger star than edge well let me let me let me finish this here so edge right now is at 37 percent. he's gotten 30 percent or 37 percent of the vote the last two years uh you have to get 60 to get in um so he's got a little bit of a uh of a way to go um Ultimate Warrior, I don't know. He's back on the ballot due to his death uh, this year. I don't think he's going to get enough support because he had fallen off the ballot previously. Um, But regardless, eight of the ten are in Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. This is a list of high-caliber names, of course. The reason why I mention these names is because it is very likely that unless Sting goes in the Hall of Fame class at the same time as The Rock, that he's probably going to be the main event of the Hall of Fame class he goes in. Am I am I crazy saying that? Yes, really? I think he'll be. No, I think he'll be number two. I think they'll find someone else. I think who he, else out there could be number one that would go in? Uh, like I said, except for Rock. If Rock goes in in 2015, then and Sting goes in too, then Sting's taking a back seat. But like you said, but, we had Edge out there one year. Uh, we're running out of the really top of the top names to put in, and I think Sting might be one that. Uh, I think he's a main event caliber guy for the Hall of Fame in their eyes. Is Undertaker in yet? Undertaker is not in yet. Now, yeah. if Undertaker goes in the same class, yes, he's going okay. ahead. Yeah, that's who else. Yeah, okay. Undertaker the w- in-, in the in the WWF Hall of Fame right now. The, the, off the top of my head, those are the ones I can think of. Unless that's- they decide, have they put? I don't think they've put Triple H in yet, have they? No, but I don't think he's going in anytime soon. No, I, he may he may just keep rejecting the honor as long as he's a you well, know, that, an yeah, officer. He, he'll be around for a while. Exactly. I. I I think they could also spread out those three guys. If they put Rock in, if they put Sting in, um, they could spread out these guys knowing that they don't have a lot of top flight Hall of Famers left. Yeah. So that that's why I said, you know, I, I just figure that maybe Sting, of course, this is all relative if Sting isn't a main event or this all goes for not. But what group of wrestlers do you see Sting more in? I mean, the eight who are in the Observer Hall of Fame or the Edge and the Ultimate Warriors who are not. Oh, is, def- Sting, is Sting kind of like the Ultimate Warrior in a regard no. that... God, no. Go ahead. Sorry, I mean, wouldn't the Ultimate Warrior ever have a... I mean, he's had semi-competent matches, but he hasn't had great matches. Sting has had great matches, so I don't put him in with the Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior was is a bigger name recognition in pop culture. I'll give him that in terms of wrestling, possibly. But... So would you say that if the argument is that uh, I put up a uh, poll on the Wrestling Observer message board uh, asking who do people think of when they think the face of WCW? So I asked in the 1990s, who was the face of WCW? There were 250 people that responded. Sting got 77% of the vote. That's the correct answer. And Ric Flair was second with 17% of the vote. So well, Flair, Flair left, so you can't, I mean, and not that Sting staying necessarily did, but, you know, the promotion was mostly built around it, Sting fighting, fighting, and the way that I'll get into my argument a bit here just now, sure. but the way that, for, 
transferring, you know, from NWA to WCW and whatnot, the way the promotion was built was different than other promotions. They were doing a heel. Once the horsemen hit and caught fire, they started building things as heel stable champs, holding championships, uh, the main championship with baby faces going after it. And the main baby face going after it throughout that whole time was usually Sting, be it be it the Horsemen, be it JTEX, be it Harley Race's stable of Luger and Vader, be it the NWO. Sting was the main protagonist in all of those for the most part. Except for that when he had his knee injury and was, you know, you had the Flare Steamboat on top or, you know, Flare Funk. But even with Flare Funk on top, you had that second match was Muda Sting. So, I mean, that was the formula. So, But... Then everybody goes, well, why wasn't Sting always the guy, the top guy, the top guy? And yet we complain that Cena's shoved down our throat all the time. Sometimes they'd cool him off with the secondary belts because secondary belts still mattered then. Your TV title, your U.S. titles. Um, I, w- I would agree that Sting is definitely more along the lines of the eight names of that group that are in the Observer Hall of Fame. Um, I certainly he's not, think he's, he's a, not the top of those. No, names. but he's, I certainly he's think he's a. Half. Yeah. He's a better candidate than Edge and the Ultimate Warrior. And last year, Sting got 33% of the vote among modern era voters, and Edge got 37. So actually more people thought Edge was a Hall of Fame worthy candidate than Sting. And that was one of the uh, few comparisons we'll get into with other guys later. Let's just start with that comparison to Edge. Um, Dave Meltzer, his own Hall of Fame, his opinion is that he sees Edge as a more viable candidate for the Hall of Fame than Sting. Um, I don't agree with that. I believe Sting, just because he was going back to that poll, I I mean, a lot of people feel like the number two and sometimes number one company in the entire world in pro wrestling, WCW, Sting was the face of that company in the eyes of voters. And that goes to the positive historical significance that I think is Sting's strongest I think that's the strongest caliber and position in the Hall of Fame of the three criteria. I think that's the strongest being the positive historical influence. But I mean, you think of Sting, you think of WCW. You think of WCW, you think of Sting. Some people will say Ric Flair, and that's fine. You could put them both up there together. But that's a pretty important part. You know, thinking of an entire company, and you see Sting as the face of it for 10 whole years, mind you. Uh, I think that's a big deal. And you you never think of Edge when you think of WWE as the top guy or the main event player. So I, as no, far as comparison don't. to Edge, I think Sting's just a much better candidate. Sting has bigger matches, especially bigger solo matches, in in my opinion. Ed, Edge's memorable matches, a lot of those are tag team matches. Sting, Edge has a solo performer, great performer, loved him. He, sometimes he even had better matches than Sting. I'll give him that sometimes. But yeah, in terms of positive historical significance, I mean, here's I'll go into another part of my argument right now. The number of guys that are in the Hall of Fame, that Sting had a positive effect in helping shape those Hall of Fame careers. You look at Vader, you look at Muda, Funk in a way, Flair in a way, um, and guys who were on that upper echelon, but something might have happened in their career, or maybe they'll get consideration later the steiner brothers i think will get consideration as a tag team sometime down the road but the 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 two super brawl matches that were both over four stars i believe you know help the steiners become guys in japan quite a bit um rick rude was known you know for being colorful and entertaining in those feuds in wwf but they weren't you know really you know strong matches necessarily they were just entertaining feuds um, he had a little bit of heft coming off of the NWA run when he was teaming with, you know, Manny Fernandez and those great matches against the Rock and Roll Express, who aren't in the Hall of Fame. And then he comes back to WWF and he becomes really, really top tier wrestler doing those matches with Sting. Steve Austin in in, you know, in his when he was starting to climb the ladder in WCW and get recognition. Mick Foley, if it hadn't been for that false count anywhere match against Sting. Wouldn't have that kind of credibility and heft that we'd be watching him in those matches with Vader and, and really being drawn to them, I think. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys that Sting helped that you can't tell the story of their careers without Sting either. So, I mean, I think that goes to positive historical significance as well. Yeah, and, you know, we're here in 2014 and Sting has been out of... You can count TNA because TNA was a lengthy part of his career as it turns out. 
Um, and he did the right thing in TNA. I mean, he was a he had some star power. They booked him just, a, and he was helping putting guys over. And he was having solid matches in his forties and fifties there. He was having okay matches. Let's not go crazy. Most of them well, were pretty I'm bad. Well, I'm not saying they were five star classes. I mean, he had his share of duds. He had his Bret Hart Lawlers and whatnot. But I mean, and you know, and he had his share of duds in the late nineties when booking went to crap in WCW. But he was still, you know, making stars like Benoit. Helping that out, DDP. DDP wouldn't be a star without Savage or Sting. I think the uh, the Edge would go to Edge, uh, no Bobby pun intended. Root. In in ring oh. performance, Edge clearly once he became a main eventer in two thousand four yes. two thousand five had better matches than Sting ever did. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I I would say that Sting ever did. Now there were a few good singles matches, but overall, if you take if you take the good and the bad of Sting versus the good and the bad of Edge, yeah, the scales I mean, are tipped in Edge's favor. But, but when but, it comes to historical significance. You can't even light a candle to Sting compared to Edge. But is the good of Sting better than the good of Edge in terms of historically significant matches well, and whatnot? Again, if we're going only singles matches, um, I mean, Sting had or Edge had some really good matches with John Cena. He had some really good. He had that excellent match with uh, Ric Flair that I think was the latter match too. Um, yeah, a lot so, of them were stip matches. That's fine, but they were still pro wrestling matches. I'll put Sting Vader, Sting Muda, and Sting Flair up against your Edge matches. Oh, sure. Um, speaking of, uh, I went back and saw what, you know, were widely considered some of the best Sting matches as far as in-ring. Because I think we're both on the side that as far as positive influence and historical significance in pro wrestling, I think that's Sting's best category. Yes, um, obviously, uh, to me, it's obviously his strongest category, and then he's very good in the other two. Not great, but very good. Now, in the Hall of Fame, the criteria, um, preferably, Dave says that a superstar or a candidate should land in every one of these three criteria, or at least be top tier in two of the three. So okay. we have a check mark for one. I think we're yes. both considered positive influence. Sting is definitely a check mark. Um, let's go to the great in ring performer. Let's debate that a little bit more clearly. Um, Back into the day, you go throughout his early run in WCW. Uh, 1998 at Clash of the Champions 1, Sting versus Ric Flair. You mean 89? What's that? You said 98. You mean 89? 88, sorry. Oh, 88. 88. Okay, yeah. 98. We're not there yet. Sting and Flair in 98 was not as good. Um, 1988, Sting versus Flair, Clash of the Champions. Dave Meltzer gave that four and three-quarter stars. Uh, basically, to Dave Meltzer, that was Sting's best match ever, the match at Clash 1. Except for, yeah, in terms of singles matches, in yes. In terms of singles matches, yes. Uh, Sting versus Flair at Starcade, four and a quarter star. So he was capable. Now, both of these, of course, were were with Ric Flair. He's capable have, of having very strong matches. And then you already mentioned it, uh, the match with uh, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, in 1992, four and a quarter stars. Um, four and a half, mind you, actually. Uh, so he was having these good matches early. Kind of when he was learning, because at that point, he was still only three, four years in the business. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to go back even further, I looked up the star ratings. I mean, he Meltzer ranked the uh, the Stockton UWF tag match with Sting and Steiner when he was still part of Hot Stuff and Hyatt International, in which he was starting to become a star once he turned face and that whole Battle of New Orleans thing, which kind of gets swept under how hot an angle that thing was. But against... Uh, Against Sam Houston and Chris Adams, he ranked that four stars, I believe, as well. And that was a time limit draw. So, I mean, and that was when he was green. That was 87. Yeah. So. You go a little bit later, 92, 93, uh, the series of matches with Vader uh, were among the best uh, rated matches uh, for Sting. Didn't really have a whole lot in later 1990s uh, WCW because they were, I mean, there were some WCW pay-per-views that would have 15 matches on the show or more realistic, 12 or 13. They were just cramming in five- and six-minute matches. No one was having good matches on pay-per-views. Yeah, and and I think also you have to look at a lot of some of the tag matches that were ranked there, too, with him. I mean, the, the two war games, he was a massive part of those. The Sting Flair versus Muda and Dick Slater match from the Clash of Champions, which got, I believe, either three, three and seven, or three and three-quarter stars, I believe, or four, or close to it. Um, you know, you, 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 the Sting Rude matches, which were always highly ranked, you know, not maybe not four stars, but three and a half. You know, he was having good matches with people you're supposed to have good matches with, which is his downfall because then everybody gives credit to the other guy. But you know what? I don't see a broomstick being nominated for the Hall of Fame. John Cena, I, ha- John Cena has had high rated matches with a lot of guys that you wouldn't consider 
high value workers. And a lot of people don't consider John Cena a high value worker. I mean, he had classics with Umaga, you know, so definitely. But, we, but, but see, and, uh, and that also goes to the subjective way in which we're judging things. Are we judging things based on the story of it or the execution of moves or the smoothest or some combination? The star ratings in themselves are not objective indicators because they're subjective to the opinion of the guy giving the star rating. Absolutely. Um, going back though, those Vader matches were very good. I yes. like them quite a bit. Oh, they're phenomenal. I love them. Um, so in ring, I, he was not, you know, he was still top half. Yeah. You know, if you want to be very well, tight, even honest. when he wasn't, it's it's kind of the 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 situation now where even if he wasn't the champ, he was kind of the guy still. I mean, when Ricky Steamboat was the world t- title holder in WCW, he, he was over, but everybody was still you know Sting Flair fans for the most part. Yeah, I think I asked on uh, Twitter who is more deserving of Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame votes, Sting or Edge. Uh, at Mookie Ghana replied emphatically, "Edge." Oh well. One point we might have to get him on here and and figure out why exactly. I'm sure he's written I pieces on it. Num- I have a numbers argument for Mookie if he'd like one, but uh, it's, f- it's it's not about. Dr- Would you like it? Go for a numbers argument, unless it takes two hours. I don't want this. It. Goes for historical significance as well. What is what is the most possibly historically significant series for WCW in terms of uh, shows? In terms of shows, most That's just, yes. Uh, just go with it. Clash of Champions. Yeah. Looking at the numbers, when Sting was in the main event, <laughs> I thought you were asking like back to back actual okay. shows no that's okay but my, my well it's also stargate's probably most important but nevertheless in terms of uh in terms of free television in which wrestling was moving towards and away from house shows clash of the champions is very important mm-hmm. in the historical cultural significance of wcw when sting for the most part with the exception of one or two outliers which i'll go into when sting headlined those shows the ratings were higher than when he wasn't on a, or not in the main event necessarily Clash 1, 5.4, Sting Flair was the main event. That went head-to-head against WrestleMania 4. People can say Sting all they like, but people, the booking committee at least, or someone had the, I don't think, you know, Flair and anybody else gets that rating. I don't think Flair Dusty, which had been run into the ground at that point, gets that rating. Clash 2, 4.8, Sting Dusty versus Arn and Tully. Okay, Dusty knew who the star was. I believe Dusty had the book at the time. And, yeah, big match there. Clash 3, 5-4 rating. That was Sting and Barry Windham when Barry had turned heel. That was the main event. Okay. Clash 4, you get a dip at 4.5 because Sting isn't on the show. Um, I don't believe. I mean, I can't double-check that right now. But but the main event there was Flair Windham versus the Midnight Express. Clash 5, you have an uptick back to 4.6 because Sting was supposed to be involved in the main event in that six-man with Junkyard Dog and Michael Hayes for the NWA six-man championships. Clash 8, 4-7 goes up again. That's the Sting Flair versus Muda Slater match. Clash 9, 4.9, Sting made the save in that match. He was involved in the main event angle. 4-5, Sting and the Horseman. That was when the Horseman turned on him after he made the save. 5.0 rating, way back up. That's Sting and the Black Scorpion. And that's, you know, and after that, that's when Sting has his knee injury. Clashes start to drop from anywhere from 4.2 to a 3.9 rating. Clash 17, you go back. Sting comes back. 4.3 rating, Rude versus Sting for the U.S. title. 18 drops. That's an outlier because that's 1992, and that's right after Flair left and had won the Royal Rumble. So it dropped to, I believe, uh, 3.7. And the main event of that was Sting and Steamboat versus Rude and Austin. 2.8 was Clash 19. A slight, uh, and that dropped, bottom drop, that was the tag team tournament. The Pat O'Connor Sting wasn't involved in that. Clash 20 goes way back up to 3.7. That was the eight-man tag main event of Rude, Jake Roberts, Super Invader, Big Van Vader versus Sting, Koloff, and the Steiners. Clash 21, King of Cable, 3.2. That was uh, the, the King of Cable tournament semis were Sting versus Rude. Um... 22, 2.9. That's headlined by Steamboat Douglas versus Wyndham and Rhodes. Or no, no, that's wrong. Never mind. Steamboat and Rhodes, uh, Steamboat Douglas versus Wyndham and Rhodes was the main event. Sting was a semi, so that's probably why it was a little bit lower, but still a lot of people watched. 22 was 2.9. Rhodes, Sting, and Cactus Jack versus Vader, Orndorff, 
and somebody whose name I, can't, I scribbled on here <laughs> that I can't read. Get but it together, man. But but nevertheless, that's the semi-main. They had stuck. They had. I believe that's no, no. That's the main, and they had stuck Dustin Rhodes with him at that point, and nobody liked Dustin Rhodes, even though he was a fine in-ring worker. It was just seen as nepotism. Then the semi-main on that was Steamboat and Douglas versus Hollywood Blonde. So I mean, you can't get a 3.0 for that. Okay, 23 is 2.6. This is kind of when they. Uh, you know, they were starting to go on their downturn, and WWE was starting to beat them and starting to improve in product. So you had Vader, Vicious, and Rude versus, again, Dustin Rhodes, Sting, and Davy Boy Smith. They had attached Davy Boy Smith to Sting to try and give him the rub because this is when they were starting to transition to becoming WWF light. Semi-main event with that, Flair and Anderson versus the Hollywood Blondes. Very famous match. Couldn't get people to watch for some reason. So everybody's saying Flair is the draw here necessarily. I think Sting's just as much of a draw. 24, 3.8. Flair and Sting were on the mid-card as a tag team versus the Awesome Kongs, and the main event was Vader versus Davy Boy. Yeah. I can't explain that. I don't know why. 25, no Sting, dropped back down to 3.3. 26, 3.5, that's Sting and Flair versus Vader and Rude. 27 um, was the Flair-Sting unification match. That only got a 3.0. It dropped a bit, but I think people were just done with titles at the point. I can't explain. 28, another outlier. That's the Flair-Hogan big one that, you know, it's it's it was really an event type of thing to see Hogan and Flair in the same place. And people mostly watch that to tune in to see if Flair would beat Hogan because they're NWA fans. People right. always want to see Flair beat Hogan. So on, in that vein, and we go through the Clash of the Champions. And, that, is and that's one, about well, it. Yeah, so. one, of, one of the major criticisms of Sting is that he... You know, when we talk about longevity as being a main eventer and a draw, uh, that's one of the big criticisms on Sting is that he wasn't a huge draw compared to others in his own company. Um, You know, you don't have to be the very top draw to get into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. No one's saying that Sting was the top guy or the top draw, but he certainly was a big player in the main events for 10 years. Um, Chris Harrington, Mukigana on Twitter uh, you know, has been doing this uh, indeedwrestling.blogspot.com, blogspot rather. Um, he does this series on the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fames. He has his WrestleNomics series, and he goes into all the candidates and putting the numbers strictly to these guys with no emotion built in. Um, and, of course, he has, uh, based on numbers, Sting is not one of the top draws. He actually has CM Punk rated higher than Sting as far as candidacy, and I don't believe in that either. Um, that's the criticism that Sting gets. Now, I guess it would be one of those things where you kind of have to live through it, and maybe some of the voters didn't live through it or were or were not highly in tune to that. There's a lot of context to it. There's a, I mean, CM Punk also had the benefit of having a stronger product to be ahead of, you know, and a bigger company with more money and whatnot. I mean, draws aren't draws aren't everything because you have to look at the context, the region, everything like that. I mean. I believe someone made an argument that Junkyard Dog's a stronger candidate than Sting because Junkyard Dog had that hot run in Mid-South, and I'd be like, you're insane because there was a lot more on the line for Sting, and you're criticizing Sting for not living up to your expectations. That's that's the weird thing to me. Kind of like, uh, like in baseball when they vote for most valuable player at the end of the year, generally a player from a winning team is going yes. to get the uh, advantage over maybe a similar player with similar numbers, but on a losing team. Uh, do you feel like that's kind of what Sting's getting here with always being on, quote-unquote, the losing team? Well, a little bit, but also, just as I explained before, WCW was booked differently than fighting organizations or even the WWF, where the top babyface was the guy. They were always more interested in the chase, so, you know, the the your business went down when you had a babyface as champ, usually. I mean, the Garvin, Ron Simmons... Even sting to some respect, and when you add top heels on there, that's when you know more interest would be generated in your product. I mean, even you know they lost interest in Steamboat fairly quick as a champ. I believe I don't know. I forgot the reasons on that, or maybe Steamboat was going to go through another retirement at that point. But you know, I mean, and Sting is a big part of Steamboat's career, in my mm-hmm. opinion, too. Not a huge part as much as Flair necessarily, but I mean. Before his WCW run, he had the, he had the Carolina runs very early, which were big. Don't get me wrong, they're big. But, you know, and he had the memorable match against Savage. And he had a program against Roberts that was big. But, you know, it's not, you know, memorable matches necessarily. It's just the program's memorable. I would, I would say as far as longevity goes, um, because he's had a good, I mean, he's been in the business now 
you know, he had nearly, what, 20 years? Almost 30 now. Well, yeah, with the break in between WCW and TNA, I kind of take out. So, But still, okay. yeah, over uh, you know a good long run. And for the most part, in TNA, he was especially a main eventer. Yes. I mean, he was the main eventer in the number two national company here in the and, U.S. And, and the strike against him on that is, well, he didn't make TNA grow. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, show me someone who would. Kurt Angle, to me, is a surefire Hall of Famer in the Wrestling yes. Observer, and he did not make TNA grow. Hulk Hogan, right. who was already in the Hall of Fame, did not make TNA grow. Um, no one's going to make TNA grow. No. They're just slotted where they are. Um, so we've gone over the, the WWE, and I hate to use the WWE Hall of Fame as an example, but when you talk about the main event players, I think that's a better uh, example than just talking about anyone who's in the WWE Hall of Fame. I wanted to compare them to uh, a lot of talk last year when the 2013 Hall of Fame issue came out was comparing Sting to Batista. Dave thought that Batista was about at Sting level and at Edge level, uh, to no. be fair, for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. And Dave was surprised that in 2012 he got 13%, and then last year he was completely dropped from the ballot. People did not buy Batista as a uh, newsletter Hall of Famer, and I would agree with that. But compared to the, the comparisons with Sting and Batista, Sting had a longer run. I think he was a more high-profile star. When you ask casual fans about pro wrestling or maybe showed pictures, more would definitely notice Sting than Batista, even with this whole movie coming out. Sting had better matches. Sting had better matches overall throughout the entire long career. Uh, And more of a positive historical significance. Yeah, there's no way that Batista's... So I, I wanted to quickly get through Batista, but another one I wanted to get to, because this guy has been getting similar votes, even with a longer time frame uh, being around on here. Uh, Kurt Hennig an interesting candidate for the wrestling observer hall of fame and, and going through his career, you know, knowing it firsthand when he was in WCW. So clearly at the tail end of any in-ring career when he wasn't that big of a deal, but then going back through uh, DVDs on the AWA and watching his AWA matches and his early WWF matches, uh, Kurt Henning to me was a very solid performer. I don't see any reason why he would be in a hall of fame. And in 2013, he got 30% of the vote, just slightly less than sting who was the face of WCW. That's that's WWF history getting in there and people having fond memories of Henning and also the fact that Henning's dead. Um, you know. I, I you know, I liked Kurt Henning a lot. Uh Kurt Henning's problem was again context. He came in at a time when you were slotted to be someone and that's all you could ever be. So he couldn't ever grow. So you know, for, for everybody who argues that, you know, in order to be a guy you have to have a run in the WWF WWE you know, if he goes to, say, WCW earlier instead of WWE, maybe he's not as big of a star, but maybe he has a chance to win the big belt and, and or become, like, known as a great, great in-ring technician instead of a very good to great, at times, in-ring technician. And he was. I mean, he had some great matches with Bret Hart in the mid-card there for the Intercontinental belt, and that was when the Intercontinental belt meant something. And he was meant for bigger things, and he just couldn't get there because of the way the WWF booked things you know you were hogan you know for the most part and then after that you know michaels but uh you know uh well sting so sting has going through these three criteria because we kind of hit on all of them um rated the highest would be the positive historical influence well i look at i look at i look at perfect kind of like i do rick rude Rick Rude is a guy who was a known personality in the WWF, but his, you know, the greatness of his in-ring work really came out through his, that that early 90s Dangerous Alliance run mm-hmm. and being a singles guy there and doing just great matches, even, you know, with, you know, for when he was the international heavyweight champ or whatnot. And that, that's when it became belt soup. Right. But, but, but when you think of Hall, when you think of Hall of Fame, if I just put up, you could vote for one and only one. Sting versus Kurt Hennig. Sting. Votes going Landslide. to Sting. And the votes going Landslide. to Sting here, too. Um, you know, I, I've heard uh, in preparation for this, I heard a lot of other thoughts. There have been uh, uh, a couple of podcasts and audio in the last four years talking about Sting's candidacies because I wanted to get somewhat of a, an idea what others were thinking about it. I, I listened to Dylan's one as well, that one. That was good. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's thoughts out there, and you like to hear both sides because maybe you hear something that uh, will not just change your mind, but give you a different perspective on things. Um, my perspective, of course, being the first pay-per-view I ever bought was Super Brawl of 98. 
And the reason I got it was that was Sting going for the belt again against Hogan. And this right. time you thought it was actually going to decide a clear winner. That was the first pay-per-view I ever bought. I was 14 or 13 at the time. Um, and that's what got me into it. I, you know, the first WWF thing I ever saw was Jeff Jarrett. The first WCW pay-per-view I ever watched was Sting versus Hogan at Super Brawl. And I think Goldberg versus Brad Armstrong. I could be wrong on that one. Uh, okay. As he just started his little uh, push. But Sting was the reason I really got into WCW. His chase of the title versus the NWO. Yes. And, and you talk about a, a year of 1997 where, you know, you want to say that Sting never cut good promos. The dude didn't have to in 97. I mean, he would just be on TV. His aura was the biggest deal. His chase of the NWO and the world title in that year was the big draw for WCW in my eyes. And even when you had Lex Luger that year beat Hogan briefly for the title that he held for a week. The crowd popped for it, but you didn't really hear a lot of talk about Lex Luger. You know, when Hogan won it back the next week, it was all about, okay, well, Sting at some point is going to win that title or face Hulk Hogan. Well, yeah, and the NWO angle would never have been as big without Sting as the protagonist. There were only two guys you could have done that against because Luger was, you know, Luger had turned so many times. People thought of him as the Paul Orndorff of WCW, and he had made that jump to WWF to try and be, you know, the Lex Express. So, I mean, he wasn't... He didn't have as much uh, cultural resonance as Sting did. You could only do that with two guys, Sting or Ric Flair. And Flair, by that point, was becoming mid-card yeah, because, I... because, because Bischoff wanted to ruin the Horseman legacy in favor of pushing Hogan's legacy in WCW. Yeah, it, it, we're talking that year with everything that happened before it. I don't think Ric Flair would do as well as Sting in that role. But, of course, Flair had battled Hogan several times, so it's not Flair's fault. Um but I, yeah, Sting in 1997 got a lot of people into pro wrestling. You have the biggest star, your biggest protagonist, not in the ring for a year, and it's still a compelling angle that people are tuning in week after week to watch, and he doesn't wrestle at all that year. And a completely new character, too. Yeah, and you know what? In terms of historical significance, I help me out on the timeline here, because I while I watched WWF at that time, I, I, I'm not a history junkie. Was Undertaker still the dead man character in 96, 97? That Sting reinventing himself like that opened the door for the Undertaker to do a similar thing. I'll say that strongly because I think Sting and, and, and Calloway were fairly close in WCW at one time in terms of friendship. And I I think they still remained friends through the years if, if I'm not mistaken. But I think that that total reinvention of the character allowed other people to reinvent their characters when wrestling companies weren't apt to do so necessarily. You were this guy and you didn't get to grow necessarily. Am I wrong on that? Well, I mean, I'm a little confused because Undertaker was Undertaker first. Oh yes, he was Undertaker first, but then, you know, to become biker taker. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Doing different characters. Yes. Doing different versions of the dead man because that dead man had become stale or become the demonic cult leader. For yeah. the for the ministry. I mean, you, ministry taker. You talk yeah. about fans clamoring for Sting to be in WCW. A lot of it is nostalgia. Um, but I'm trying to think if Lex Luger were still healthy today. And he would... I mean, are people clamoring for Lex Luger to come back into WWE? Are people no, clamoring for Diamond Dallas Page to come back in WWE? Maybe it's because they were already there and whatnot. But still, I'm thinking about a guy from WCW... No. I can't think of anyone. Nobody. Yeah. Absolutely nobody. And and the Flair character had been ruined with the Spartacus haircut and whatnot. But uh, I don't remember that many people clamoring for Goldberg that much. You know, I'm watching WWE every uh, every show in 2003 when Goldberg comes in. And there was never as much clamoring for Goldberg to come in as there was for uh, one Sting match. It was probably disagree. pretty even. Really? I disagree. You were clamoring dis- for Goldberg? Well, I think people were clamoring for Goldberg and Steve Austin, but that was never going to happen. During the invasion, they were clamoring for the stars of WCW to come in, and they weren't going to because they had the guaranteed contracts. Yeah, Yeah. people were clamoring for the stars. They wanted Goldberg. They wanted Sting. They wanted, you know, everybody. Yeah, Flair. They wanted, wanted, you know, Nash and Hall and whatnot. But this is two two years later, I think, the clamoring had died died down a little bit. Yes, it was out of sight, out of mind. By the time he came back, he was still big, but he wasn't as big, and then they kind of... Kind of botched his push. And well, of course, play. but that's that, that's and, a whole different story. But that's what they would have done with Sting. That's why the best thing that ever happened to Sting was he never went to to WWE. He would have been, you know, humbled because he was because 
when NWA champs came over, they always humbled them. Garvin, Race, Flair, Dusty to a man were always given these humiliating gimmicks. And they were going to do that at the time of that. They did that with Luger too. Yeah, that's another part of the debate is you you start getting into the hypotheticals and you can work the hypotheticals in favor of Sting or out of favor of Sting. You can do it both ways. The problem is we're never going to know, you know, what would have happened if he went into WWE? What would have happened if he went into WWE maybe in 95? What would have happened in 2001? What would have happened in 2007? Is there a person born before? I mean, what year were you born? 85. We'll use 85 as a cutoff then. Is Is there a person... Before the before that year, that can look at Sting and with a gut reaction say, "No, I don't want him in." Uh, Dave a Meltzer. Hall of Fame. That's not a Hall of Fame. Other, well, yeah, well, yeah. I think actually the, and I think was, Dave's trying. Well, see, Dave's okay with it if he gets voted in. He's not a hard no. It's just in his opinion. See, and I have a different. Went, I don't want to piss off Dave Meltzer because <laughs> I have a different opinion. And I think I that, that. plays. Well, hold on a hold on a second. I think that plays a little bit of a part in it because. Dave is outwardly spoken that he doesn't believe he's in, that I think some voters leave him off. Oh, I think that's huge. Yeah, well, hold, think, on, hold, think, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think a lot of people too, because there are so many people on the ballots, even though not always 10 get in. This year's a tough one for Sting because I think there's a lot of names that are going to get votes and people are going to fill up their ballot. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people don't want to upset Dave Meltzer. But at the same time, kind of going against uh, what you think there, I think a lot of the younger voters, maybe 20, 30 years old and younger, think Sting should be in. It's the older oh, voters who don't believe Sting should be in. I see. I I think you're in the minority of the uh, the over 30 crowd. I think most of the older voters are I the ones say, keeping them out. You know what? I think you might be right because of just the reach of WWF at that point. And I lived in an area where WWF didn't even get hot in TV until the USA Network and Raw, really. I mean, you had primetime on Raw, but you didn't have it in syndication for the most part in my area because you know nobody cared everybody thought it was just kitty crap so i mean there wasn't a lot of that reach but but going back to the dave note i think i don't think it's people are afraid of dave i think it's people are they're influenced think they think they're very heavily influenced and they think if they vote for sting well his is a more informed opinion than mine i'm going to be seen as stupid if i vote for for sting hmm. yeah. i'm going to be seen as less than intelligent if i disagree with the guy who created this hall of fame and, and i think that will i think the I think he should abstain from answering the question if he wants to remain truly neutral, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I think that that's – ever since he said that the, the votes have been declining by huge percentages because I think people just don't want to be seen as stupid. And, I, and I'm saying stand up for yourselves, people. You voters, you Rob McCarron who has a ballot, you best check Sting off. That's all I'm saying. You best check Sting off. Tell me now. Are you checking him off? I haven't decided yet. You son of a... Look, I've been talking here for almost an hour about Sting. I haven't convinced you. Well, here's the thing. The last last thing I want to go over is, again, the gut reaction. You know, not just everyone thinking, oh, who do you remember from WCW? Oh, Ric Flair and Sting. How have we not had a phone call on this? We had uh, had one that I botched completely. And then we had some (laughs) Twitter. We had some Twitter comments. Um, But also me only advertising it on Twitter for the last two hours probably is not enough time. All right, to, uh, I figured people would be violently. Uh... <laughs> I think people have their minds made up at this point. They're either they either think he's a Hall of Famer, and the problem is a lot of these people. Um, I have to figure a lot in the audience, and this was me before I had my own vote. Is they'll see who gets in, but they're not going to worry about it too much because they don't have a vote. They think he's in the Hall of Fame, or they're wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> But uh, yes, the, the maybe a little bit. I get, the only reason I can see his vote percentage going further down is either the Meltzer debate or because we want to get in these guys, and those are mostly historians who want to get in guys that they think deserve it before they get dropped off the ballot. And I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. Sting, so I just Sting got thirty three percent of the vote last year. What percentage do you think he's going to get this year? I want to know who these voters are. Give me names. Give me names. Um, <laughs> well, one is me. Yeah. You. But if you had to guess, um, <laughs> percentage, maybe maybe you think it's up. Maybe you think it's down. It's uh, about the same. I think this year is going to be the year where a lot of the older voters make the push for older guys so that they don't get dropped off or they don't uh, – or we don't lose them. With- and I think the I think the modern guys are going to be voting for – Guys who we should be holding off on, like Brock and Punk, maybe. This is an interesting one. Um, 
last year in 2013, among Dave Meltzer breaks down who voted for who among like active wrestlers, former wrestlers, reporters, historians, like who voted out of those categories for which performer. And Sting was not a top 10 in any of those categories, as he probably wouldn't be with only 37% of the boat or vote. And most of those guys are WWE guys yeah. who are current wrestlers um, or indie guys this who year, never wrestled them. This year, I struggle to see Sting going up in voting because there are so many strong candidates in other categories. And a voter can only vote for 10. Yes. out of the wrestler categories. So he's going to drop off some ballots who may think he's a Hall of Famer just because exactly. If, if I'm a voter and I have 10 slots and I want Sting to get in but I don't think he's going to cuz last year he only got 37, I'll leave him off so I can fill my ballot with 10 guys who have a shot. No, and that's perfectly logical. I, I again, I think there's a lot of I think the threshold. I think you should be able to vote for as many as you want. <laughs> for me, I think I think we're trying to make this too exclusive at sometimes. I but. think I think he gets twenty four percent of the vote this year. So there I've gone on record. Twenty four percent of the vote for Sting, and I still think that you know Edge will get more votes. Which is ridiculous, but we'll go with it. I think that's a I'm not gonna say it's ridiculous because you know some people make some good arguments. I for think it. Edge will get in eventually. I don't think he should get in before Sting. That's yeah. just my thing, and I don't think either of them should get in before the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, Rock and Roll Express are close. They had 55 percent of the vote last year, so they're get close. Get on this, people. It's only problem. Only Carlos Colon had more votes or more percentage of the vote than Rock and Roll Express without getting in. So they're close. And he and, he, and he's getting a boost by being put in a new category so he can get in. That's which is kind of angering me a bit, but nevertheless, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not my hall of fame, but still, I mean, if you get to, Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming, swimming with sharks. And now all of a sudden I get a kiddie pool to go into. It's going to be much easier for me to get, I mean, it's going to be much easier for less than quote unquote, because nobody's not worthy to not get in the hall of fame, but, but you know, it's easier for him to get in, in the category he's in than the category he was just like if you had stuck Dick Murdoch in Japan, he'd get the Steve Williams push. I have one final question for you. We wrap up this special edition talking sting. Uh, the answer to that question is briefs. No. I mean boxers. No, no. never mind. <laughs> CM Punk, it's his first year on the ballot. Yes. Do you believe that CM Punk will get more percentage of the vote in this his first year than Sting will get this year? Oh, man. Thinking about the voting bases I do... I think he's going to get slightly higher than Sting. I think I he's going to get gonna that get, first year bump. I think he's going to get the first year bump, but I also think it's going to be one of those things where, well, this is Punk's first year. We can leave him off if we're looking for other candidates. But at the same time, if he's at number nine or 10 vote and I have it and I'm a younger guy and I know what Punk's done for me on the indies or in WWE and his, his resonance in terms of the era of recency, I'm putting Punk over Sting if I'm a young guy. Yeah, I, uh, it'll be interesting. The voting period ends in the first week of October. Uh, Dave will have his Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame issue most likely in November. Um, sometime in mid-October, we'll go over who I actually did end up uh, putting on my ballot. I don't want to say who I'm voting for until all the ballots have been sent in. And at that point, it'll probably be my last show. I'll just quit and <laughs> If Sting doesn't get in or the just Rock and Roll Express. Because apparently I have to have two <laughs> slots picked right there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go over who I voted in and the reasons why. Uh, so we'll talk about that on new episodes of shake them ropes, which you can catch on voices of You can also go to shake them slash about and find out how you can subscribe for free to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, all your podcasting platforms, whatever you use, you will be able to get us. Uh, and that's basically it. Thanks Jeff for this uh, special sting edition of shake them ropes. We'll see if all of your pleading Finally gets him in this year. <laughs> Sting wins or we riot. ProRisuShop.com, your only source for authentic ProRisu merch straight from Japan. Translation extraordinaire Yatsumi has helped more than 300 fans all across the world purchase authentic merchandise. And now he's bringing that savings to you. With over 300 items to choose from, ProRisuShop.com has the largest selection of New Japan and ProRisu merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Shirts, belts, trading cards, DVDs, and more from the biggest stars of Japan, like Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura, and of course, the Bullet Club. Get them all for the same price you would pay in Japan 
with worldwide shipping starting at only $6.99. For the very best in Prorosu merchandise across the world, the choice is clear. ProRosuShop.com That's P-U-R-O-R-E-S-U Shop.com ProRosuShop.com In the world of one wrestling podcast there is a new shining star with great interviews analysis music and and me matt coon on total engagement go to any podcast platform to listen today enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com.